today on Light on the Hill. Tragic story, by the way, when you get into the ebbs and the flows of all of the kings, and this is why I tell you to get yourself very familiar with the northern kings and the southern kings. Really invest the time in learning it. Please, guys, do it because you will understand the prophetic significance of all of the occurrences that took place in all of these areas. But when you begin to examine and know and understand the patterns that existed amongst the wicked kings in the north and some of the wicked kings in the south, you will realize that God is serious about everything that he says. I have found that peace only comes from you. I have found that joy only comes from you, cause all I need is you. Welcome once again to Light on the Hill, online at lightonthehillradio.com. Today, we pick up where we left off in our Bible series in the volume of the book. Pastor James Cadiz is highlighting Bible prophecy in this study through the scriptures. There are many in 1 Kings alone, as you'll soon hear. We'll start off with a Sunday school classic from chapter 3, and maybe you haven't really made the connection to prophecy as you've read and studied this story before. When you begin to develop an understanding of all the players, then you'll begin to understand other things. Okay. I can't say who it is, but it's a person that most people know in the mainstream media. It's a person that people are very aware of and oftentimes listen to to get advice on things related to politics. I had that person, he's a national figurehead. I had that person contact me the other day and ask me a Bible question, especially related to something Middle East related. I answered the question and he made a comment to me that was interesting, it was very interesting. He said, how in the world is it that you seem to understand the geopolitics of Europe and the Middle East better than many five-star generals that I've talked to who have sat in the war room working through many of these things? Answered the question very simply. I said, it's not that I have any special insight. And it's not that I'm a super brain genius that knows how to put all these things together. It's because my whole life I have studied the patterns that exist in those regions geopolitically through the eyes of the Bible, understanding and knowing full well that all of those things repeat themselves. So the things that you observed in the time of the Kings and the Chronicles and the patterns that began to emerge with respect to Rome during the time of the pre-exilic and post-exilic period and all of the things that you begin to read about as it relates to Russia, Gog, Magog, you start looking at Turkey and you start looking at all those things. They become remarkably relevant in the way we look at things today because all it is is a repeat of patterns that have always existed in the Bible. And we know that the Bible tells us what the end game in those regions are going to be. So it's not hard to look at patterns in the past, put them together with existing patterns, and be able to guide them in the correct direction for what we know is going to happen in the future. 
And it's the reason why I can put my neck on the line and make statements like the United States of America is out of its flipping mind investing money in Ukraine because all we're doing is destroying ourselves because Russia won't lose. It's not going to happen. And I'm not a Russian apologist. I just know the Bible, right? So here it is. Ready? Wax on, wax off. That's what we're doing here, okay? We're, we're learning these patterns. They're so important. They're critically important. If we don't get these things, guys, we're going to be lost. So we have to start at the beginning. And the beginning that we start at. Now, mind you, in these that we're going to go over, there are other places in the Kings and in the Chronicles that deal with biblically prophetic things. If I stop to tell you every Bible prophecy that exists in all four of these books, we would literally be here for the next five hours, okay? Because the list is significant. It is a significant list. But what we're going over are the signs that are the most relevant to helping you establish a pattern so that you can go back and understand and discern in the future, right? In other words, I'm giving you the ones that I think will stand out the most in your mind. Many of them are events that you are already aware of because you've been taught about these things that will help you be able to put A and B together. Now, with that said, I do have to tell you this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Um, I don't like the naming convention of these books, okay? Um, I actually believe that when they put these books together, they should have called 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings. By the way, actually, just so that you know, those are actually commonly still referred to as 1st and 2nd Kings. A lot of people uh, in Jewish culture actually refer to 1st and 2nd Samuel as 1st and 2nd Kings, by the way, okay? And then when you take 1st and 2nd Kings that we're about to go through right now, they are commonly referred to as 3rd and 4th Kings, believe it or not. Okay, so instead of saying first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, it's actually uh, first and second Kings, third and fourth Kings. And Chronicles are correctly named in that in Chronicles, we see the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. And the Bible does tell us about the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel, but we don't have that book. That book is missing, right? First and second Chronicles is the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. The missing books that we cannot find are the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel, which, by the way, I actually think is related to a Bible prophecy that exists later on down the line that tells us why God has allowed those books to be lost, because God does not want to give way or relevance to an ungodly king that chose to rebel against him unless that relevance has something to do with the Davidic covenant or Davidic line, which is why we have the preservation of 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles, okay? So got kind of an important thing to know there. A little technical, but important, okay? So let's get into some of the significant ones here. It starts with 1 Kings chapter 3. Now, if you go through 1 Kings chapter 3, you get a story that every single kid in Sunday school hears, right? And that is the story that starts in verse 5 and takes you all the way through verse 15, and that is Solomon having a dream. You remember that dream? He's told by God to ask what is it you want? I'll give it to you. Solomon says, I just want wisdom to be able to govern the kingdom that's been entrusted in me. God tells Solomon, hey, you got it. I'm not only going to give that to you. I'm actually going to give you everything else. 
all the other things you could have asked for. I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you all kinds of things. So God actually fulfilled that promise that he made to Solomon, which was a significant prophetic fulfillment, right? People don't, don't really see this as prophecy, but you have to see it for what it is. When God makes Solomon a promise, that is a prophetic statement, isn't it? He makes him a promise about something that's going to happen in the future. And that prophecy was fulfilled throughout the time of Solomon's life. We read about it all throughout 1 Kings, right? We see God fulfilling that promise. But then it gets interesting. Because in 1 Kings chapter 9, and I think I'm going to read this because it's important, right? Solomon was given a very important promise. Let me read this to you. This is 1 Kings chapter 9. I'm going to read through the first nine verses at the expense of going on and on. But it says this, 1 Kings chapter 9, And it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house and Solomon's desire, which he was pleased to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee and will keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. But if you shall at all turn from following me, you or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed for my name will I cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people. And at this house, which is high, everyone that passeth by it shall be astonished and shall hiss, and they shall say, Why hath the Lord done this unto this land and to this house? And they shall answer, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have taken hold upon other gods, and have worshipped them and served them. Therefore hath the Lord brought upon them all this evil. Ouch. When you look at the history of the nation of Israel, and you look at the temple being destroyed on multiple occasions, and you look at the fact that they were taken out of their land, and you look at the splitting of the kingdom, and you look at all of the things that happened, they were fulfillments of the prophetic word that God gave Solomon here in 1 Kings chapter 9. When people look at the destruction of Israel, think about this for just one second. Did you guys know that Israel could have still maintained its identity as a nation with the original temple that Solomon had built and had been the most powerful nation in the world to this very day without disruption had they simply obeyed God king after king after king after king. Isn't that a terrible statement? Isn't that such a tragedy? And then what about this? We go to 1 Kings chapter 11. I can't read it all. But in 1 Kings chapter 11, starting in verse 11 through 39, God confronts Solomon because Solomon departed from the Lord. 
He chose not to do what God had told him to do. He also, as a result of his rebellion, God told Solomon in this passage in 1 Kings chapter 11 that the kingdom would be taken away from his descendants. By the way, it's very interesting. You just think about this. We know that that was true. As a matter of fact, in 1 Kings chapter 11, God actually assures Solomon and tells Solomon that that will not happen in his lifetime. He said, hey, this is not going to happen in your lifetime. It will happen after you die. It's very interesting, by the way, that God uses a prophet after Solomon dies, after Solomon dies, to appoint Jeroboam, the king of the northern kingdom. And the kingdom of Israel was split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Rehoboam, Solomon's son, would be the ruler of the southern kingdom, while Jeroboam was the ruler of the northern kingdom, the first ruler of the northern kingdom. Tragic story, by the way, when you get into the ebbs and the flows of all of the kings, and this is why I tell you to get yourself very familiar with the northern kings and the southern kings. Really invest the time in learning it. Please, guys, do it, because you will understand the prophetic significance of all of the occurrences that took place in all of these areas. But when you begin to examine and know and understand the patterns that existed amongst the wicked kings in the north and some of the wicked kings in the south, you will realize that God is serious about everything that he says. Let me read a portion to you of 1 Kings chapter 13. We'll switch over there because we're going to move forward through this pretty quickly. 1 Kings chapter 13, I'm going to read the first three verses. This becomes very important, okay? It says this, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. He cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, O altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Yosiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day saying, this is a sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. This is kind of crazy. Because what happens is that this ends up getting fulfilled in 2 Kings 23 and this becomes a very important picture. Because then you begin to understand the development of the geopolitics of the time and why some of the kings did exactly what they did and why so many kings would not tear down the high places and why some kings did. Let me get into a very specific aspect of this that most of you need to understand. And then you'll understand why I have such a conviction about false teachers and pastors that will not stand up in the face of politics, right? This prophecy right here sets into motion a biblical principle that a lot of people don't understand. And it centers around this. Rehoboam becomes the last leader of Israel being unified, right? Jeroboam leads a contingent of people in a civil war against Rehoboam. And Jeroboam now rules over 10 tribes, the northern kingdom. Jeroboam saw a major problem. Jeroboam does something very, very smart. It was evil, but it was smart. He recognizes a problem. And the problem that he recognizes is people 
are going to want to go back to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. They've been doing it their whole life. But the problem with them going back to the temple in Jerusalem is that they're going to participate in worshiping the true and living God. They may experience conviction, and in doing so, they will be patriotic. They will seek to empathize with the cause of the southern kingdom because the southern kingdom is the heart of everything in which the nation used to exist. And when they go to Jerusalem and they cry out, Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, and they begin to worship the true and living God, they began to lose their allegiance to the northern kingdom. So Jeroboam realizes he has to fix the problem, and he has to fix it quickly. And he creates what are referred to as the high places in the scripture. Now, what does that mean? High places. What's that? What's that? Okay. They were called the high places because they were temples that were being built at the highest point of the, of the city, right? The high places were temples that were built at the highest peak, the highest altitude. And the reason why they were built that way is so that people could look up, notice that the temple is there, and thus keep their allegiance to the God that that temple represented. But Jeroboam had a big problem. And he created that temple. That temple was designed to keep people from going to Jerusalem. And the idea was to get people convinced that they could go to the high place over here and worship God because it would be convenient. Let's just do it. It's like drive-through worship. You don't have to go all the way over, take three, day, three weeks out of your, your year, three times a year to go to Jerusalem. You can now worship God here. But he recognized the problem. He recognized a significant problem. And this was the problem he recognized. He would never get away with it. Because he knew that the people had such a tie that was so deeply embedded to the temple system that if he introduced them to worshiping a false god under the leadership of these false priests, they would never listen because there was no familiar element tied. So what was Jeroboam satanically inspired to do? He went to the priests of the southern kingdom who constantly made a trip to the southern kingdom two weeks out of the year to serve as priests at the temple. And he told them, I will give you a ton of money and a whole bunch of other things if you will take your priestly duties and bring them to the table in these high places. Those priests agreed to do it. And the moment those priests agreed to do it, guess what? Jeroboam, with the devil by his side, said, I got him. Why? Because if the man you've entrusted your whole life to help do the sacrifices that you gave every single time, month after month, day after day, year after year, now says, I'm doing the same thing in a new location and God's okay with it, you might be inclined to trust them. By the way, this is a tactic that still gets used to this very day. It was used by Margaret Sanger under the inspiration of Satan. Back in the day when Margaret Sanger said that she was creating Planned Parenthood to eliminate the black race, she started a project called the Negro Project. And in that project, there were memos amongst her team that basically said, we must, we cannot 
survive if we do not get the Negro minister involved to support our cause, because when they support our cause, we will then be able to deceive the Negro population into actually sacrificing their babies. There's memos, folks. It was, it's all over the place. It's not hard to look up. Isn't it funny how the greatest proponents right now of abortion are being fueled by men like Raphael Warnick, who is the guy who took over Ebenezer Church, Martin Luther King used to pastor? Isn't it amazing that he is a guy that avidly fights for the right for black women to kill their babies? Think about that for a minute. Can we take it a step further? All the pastors, whether they be guys who call themselves Calvary chapels or not, that have chosen to take money from the Jeroboams of this day and listen to the counsel of the Jeroboams of this day and have created new high places to go worship and have forsaken the truth of the true and living God, they are leading good and well-meaning people astray from the truth because they've allowed themselves to capitulate to ungodliness. Guys, do you know that all of this has roots to Bible prophecy? Do you get that? Developing an understanding of the geopolitics of that time based on prophetic elements give you a better understanding of what's going on today. This is how we can walk with such confidence that America is doomed if we don't change, right? It's a very important aspect. We're going through the Bible with Pastor James Cadiz here on Light on the Hill. This series, entitled In the Volume of the Book, emphasizes the prophecy found in every book of the Bible. To catch what you may have missed in the series, just go to lightonthehillradio.com or listen wherever you get your podcasts. The studies are also available through the Light on the Hill app. We're thankful for the listeners that come alongside of us with prayer and even financial support. You help us do what we do each day, and we're so grateful for that. To donate today to help us deliver God's Word daily, visit lightonthehillradio.com. You can also give through the Light on the Hill app. If you enjoy Bible prophecy and want to hear even more, I recommend Pastor James's online videos. Many of them relate to current events and connect to Bible prophecy. You can access them at jamescadiz.com. You can also access Countdown to Eternity there or at countdown2eternity.com. Whether you're a longtime listener or new to our program, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your Bible prophecy questions and your prayer requests. You can do so through our website, lightonthehillradio.com. Let's return to Pastor James with one more observation from 1 Kings. As you get into more through 1 Kings, you see this type of thing happening. Like, for example, 1 Kings chapter 14. It's revealed to us that the house of Jeroboam would be destroyed because of Jeroboam's sins against the Lord. God finally judged Jeroboam, right? We saw that happening. Take a quick note through all of this. 1 Kings chapter 16, all throughout chapter 16, all throughout chapter 17 all throughout 18, all throughout chapter 20, right? All through chapter 18 to 22, 26 through 30, 35 through 36, 42, all those verses in chapter 20 all speak about the same thing. Chapter 21, chapter 22, all throughout there give us an account of how many other prophecies were revealed and fulfilled quickly. God said, I'm going to destroy you for this. And within a, a few verses later, God destroyed them. 
God said, this is going to happen. And a few verses later, it took place. All throughout the book of Kings, you see that pattern begin to establish. Here's another, like some common ones that some of you guys might remember, right? Ahab and his people would suffer because he spared Ben-Hadad. You remember the story of Ben-Hadad and what exactly happened with him? Ahab, of course, if you remember, under the direction of his wicked and evil wife, killed the man for a field. If you remember that whole story, right? God makes a prophecy in 1 Kings chapter 21 where he tells Ahab that he would suffer the same fate. He would die in the same field that he killed that person. And eventually he did. The story of that is really interesting. That actually got fulfilled later on in 2 Chronicles. Jezebel was prophesied that she would be eaten by dogs. 1 Kings chapter 21 made that prophecy. That prophecy got fulfilled in 2 Kings chapter 9. The story of that death was, by the way, like gnarly. I mean, that, that death is like a gross story, right? Like that story, she gets pushed out the window, falls to her death, and then the, it, then the dogs just eat her up. It's gross, right? All of it was prophesied again and again and again, confirmed it. By the way, I want everybody to understand this. These were mostly prophecies in 1 Kings that related to the consequence of sinful action, right? And almost all of them were significant in that none of these prophecies, right, was the covenant with David that was canceled or annulled. Think about that for a second, right? So many of these prophecies bear that kind of significance. If the Lord leads, we'd also appreciate your financial partnership. Each gift that comes in goes straight to the ministry, helping us to get the word of God out on stations and platforms like this one all across the country. Donate online at lightonthehillradio.com or give through the Light on the Hill app. I have found that peace only comes from you. I have found that joy only comes from you. Cause all I need is.